This is Friday, February 8th, 2019 in Spokane, Washington. This is the first of four messages of a weekend conference with Brother Ricky Acosta. There is no outline or no verses ahead of this message.
thank you for your wonderful promise that you are with us always. Amen. We claim your presence here tonight. Amen. We ask you to speak to the need of every heart here. Amen. Fill every vessel here with yourself as living water. Amen. That you may be glorified in the church. Amen. Amen. In the church, there's not only a place, but there's a role for everyone. Um, in the New Testament, it says that the church is the church of God. Actually, quite a number of places. The church belongs to God. It's the church that he bought, he purchased with his own blood. That's in Acts 20. Uh, it, the church is also referred to as the church of Christ. The church of Christ. The church belongs to Christ. I think one famous verse among us is Matthew sixteen eighteen. Right. I will build my church. It's not anybody else's church. It's my church. So it's the church of Christ and in also other places. But there is a verse in 1 Corinthians 14 that says that the church is the church of all the saints. The church is the church of all the saints. So there it's not talking about possession, but rather constituency. That is, what is the church? Well, the church is all the saints. When you put all the saints together, that's the church. But it's the church of all the saints. I think that's 1433. Yeah, 1433. 1 Corinthians 14.33. As in the church of all the saints. You know, in, in 1977... Um, we had a conference and the title of the conference was this, All Ages for the Lord's Testimony. And this, of course, became a book. I recommend it. I don't know if you have copies here. Um, but, uh, and, and uh, you know, where, where I live, I'm, I, I live in, in, in New York City. Um, in the past few years, since 2015, the Lord has led us each year to um, just to seek him so that we could have some direction for the church for that year. You know, what is, what is our goal? What is our aim? What, what does he want to do among us? <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, anyway... Year by year, 2015, 16, 17, 18. So this is now the fifth time. Uh, and I, I think we've had this kind of leading before, but, but not so concretely 
like this in these few years. And for the last few months of 2018, we were among the brothers, we were fellowshipping. What, what should be our direction? And, and this, is, this feeling was crystallized in this phrase. All ages for the Lord's testimony. Yeah. All ages for the Lord's testimony. But we, we, it seems like the, like the Lord led us to add a little something but with an emphasis on the next generation. So all ages, all ages. We need to take care of all ages. But there is a kind of view that we, we must pay a particular attention to the next generation. Uh, of course, if we don't, we have no future. We have no future. But, but we should not care for the next generation to the exclusion of all the other ages. And I, I, remember, I remember when Brother Lee gave that, was giving that conference in Anaheim, uh, in 1977, Memorial Day. Uh, I, I remember during that period of time, some of the young people, including myself, during, there, he had just given a conference on, on, uh, on the young people rising up to be the Lord's army to take the earth. And we, and we were having among us a very strong emphasis It's time for the young people. But when we said it, it was to the exclusion of all ages. Do you you know what I mean? We were were so focused. Yes, yes. Our brother even shared this, young people. But we we were kind of like, our our attitude was, I exposed myself. Our attitude was, hey, you older folk, move out of the way. It's our turn. That was not the spirit that this was shared in. And we didn't know when we were, we, were, we were there having a conference some other place. We didn't know that exactly when we were having that kind of a fellowship, Brother Lee was giving this conference in Anaheim. All ages. All ages. And incidentally, that, that fellowship on all ages was based on the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. And so, uh, of course, you know, we, we uh, I think most of you know, we just completed this training on the book of Numbers. I don't know of the saints here. Do you have a video training? Have the saints passed through that? Okay, so a certain number of you uh, know that. We had a training in Anaheim at the end of December, and many, many of the churches have repeated that, so the saints are aware. And so... Uh, we, we have been reminded of this matter, that in, in Numbers, in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, um, you have this type, this picture presented to us of God's people being formed into an army. Right? And it's very interesting that in the book of Numbers, m- many ages are mentioned. Many ages are mentioned among God's people. Many ages are mentioned. Do you know what the youngest age mentioned? The youngest age? Yeah. 
one month old. <laughs> In chapter 3, I think it's verse 28. It mentions those a month old and upward. So when the Bible, when we talk about all ages, we mean all ages. And then uh, we also, we also, this was brought up in that training. Although this is not a verse in, num- in the book of Numbers, but there's a story about uh, Caleb. You know, Caleb, Joshua, and Caleb. And in, in Numbers, Caleb is is. Uh, 40? 40. Yeah. Or in his 40s. He's in his 40s. Because he talks about, you know, time before, 40 years before. Right, when they get into the good land. Yes, yes, yes. So he's, a, he's probably around 45. He's probably around 45. So he's a strong, you know, in his strong man. But later he says, you know, when they get into the good land, he said, I'm, I'm as strong today at 85 as I was when I went into the land. He tells Joshua. And, and it's time to claim my possession. He says, I want that mountain. I want that one right there. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm paraphrasing. And, uh, but he talks about being 85. He's 85. And he's as strong as he was when he was in his 40s. So, so you have this span from one month to 85. And remember that, that the, book of, the book of 1 Corinthians, um, chapter 10, this is verse 11. I think most of you are familiar with this. It says, now these things happen to them as an example, meaning the children of Israel. The first 10 verses talks about the Old Testament uh, starting with Moses and, and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and um, the Passover, uh, no, the, uh, sorry, the, the, through the cloud and the sea, crossing the, cl- crossing the Red Sea. It says, now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our admonition unto whom the ends of the ages have come. So what happened to them, that actually happened, They actually happened. All those things actually happened. But everything that happened to them is an example for the New Testament believers. And and not just an example. It says, happened to them as an example and were written for our admonition. You know, an example is an example. Let me give you an example. An example explains something. So I'll give you an example. So I'm talking about this. I want to make it clear. So I'll give you an example. That's a teaching method for both parents and teachers. But an admonition, that's different than an example. I give you an example. Let me give you an example. So I give you an example. Now you understand. That's an example. But an admonition, that's... That carries some different feeling. So, from everything that happened to Israel, we should get examples and admonitions, which are warnings. Warnings. Learn the lesson. Learn the lesson. 
Well, in the Old Testament, with the children of Israel, in the book of Numbers, these these, these numbers are mentioned. One month. And then uh, 20 years old. 20 years old is mentioned. 30 is mentioned. 50 is mentioned. These, all these numbers are mentioned. And they, they, should, they should be either an example or an admonition. So many believers, they, they apply this 1 Corinthians 10 only to the Passover because it's mentioned in, the new, in 1 Corinthians 5. The crossing of the Red Sea, the manna, the water from the rock, you know, these, these kind of things. But, but that's not what it says. It says everything that happened and was written is something for us. So there are a lot of other things we have to apply. I think last time I was here, I may have mentioned this about Exodus chapter 1, that the Pharaoh was um, threatened by the increase of the children of Israel. You know, at the end of, at the end of um, Genesis, God's people, that is from, from, from Israel, from, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob renamed Israel, the total number of Israel was 70 souls. Seven zero. That's Genesis 50. Then you turn the page and God's people in Exodus 1 number about 2 million. Because hundreds of years pass in between those two books. And, and it starts with Pharaoh being threatened that they got too big. And, and so we ha- if, if if a, an enemy comes and these people side with, God's, with our enemies, we'll get defeated. So a two-pronged attack, a countermeasures. What is that? Against the older ones, make them work hard and tire them out so that they have no energy left to worship God to be idle. And then to the younger ones, stronger, more insidious, this this plan. What is that? When the baby is born, if it's a boy, a male, kill it. Saints, this verse says, the things that happened to them were an example and were written for our admonition. So we have to take Exodus 1 to realize that shows us some things about the Pharaoh we face. Who's the Pharaoh we face? Surely that's Satan, who's trying to put down God's people. The first thing it shows us is he's threatened by our increase. He's threatened. And our increase comes from two sources. Firstly, from our children. Secondly, from outside the gospel. 
right? Oh, through our through the years, our history is that that the enemy has attacked these two sources. These two sources. Our gaining of our children. We're very, very burdened over this in, in, in all the local churches. Why, even with so much that we do, still we lose so many of our second and third generation. Why, why is that? We're, we're, we're trying to stem that tide. Yeah, we're, we don't stand with that statistic and that history. And if, and, if, and if anything has to do with our lack, we like to change. We don't like to just do the same thing year after year after year. We're not that proud. We can't be that proud. We have to consider, how can we gain our second and third generation? And then the gospel. Then the gospel. Oh, the enemy especially attacks the gospel. Not just by cutting off our access to people, not, not just this, actually by bringing mixture. Maybe this is how Satan has attacked even more over the decades, bringing mixture into our gospel preaching. Actually, these two areas of raising the, ch- of raising the children, young people's work, children's work, young people's work, and then gospel, those are two of the easiest areas for leaven to come into the church life. That's why we always have to be exercised, to, to be pure, to be pure in our, in our outreach. But anyway, all those things are examples to us. And the attack on the older generation, is, is it this, doesn't this apply to us? Doesn't the enemy do this? Using the anxieties of the age, make, us, make, make you work harder? And then, and then be anxious, and then tire you out, not just physically, but even mentally, psychologically, so that, so that you might be in the group meeting, but your heart is not there. Yeah. Or you're just tired. You never fell asleep in a group meeting? <laughs> wonderful. You're a wonderful saint. <laughs> and sometimes it's just, oh, no, I can't. I just can't. I'm, I'm just spent. I really need to sleep. So, and then toward the younger generation, the, the attack. To take away the life, and especially the males. Especially the males. So we learn from those stories. But we should learn from this story too, from the book of Numbers. We should, we, we should, we should learn. These ages all mean something. Uh, I'll come back to that. I, I would like to give you uh, or, or to most of you, it's to remind you of six phrases that were brought out in that numbers training. Actually, you find these phrases uh, in the, if you have the recovery version of the, of the Old Testament, this is the subject of the book of Numbers. The subject of the book of Numbers. Actually, if, if you have the Old Testament with you, maybe you could look at that. Because these, these are the, the phrases I want to give you. These are the six phrases. Yeah. Yeah. The meaning of life. This is what Christ is in the book of Numbers. What's the next one? The testimony. 
the testimony. The next one, center. The center. And then the leader, the way, and the goal. If you have it and you have it open, let's just read this, this uh, subject together. Christ... My real burden tonight is with the young working saints, the young couples, and the middle-aged saints. Basically, those saints, the, the, the category of working saints, and we include being a, a homemaker or a housewife or a raiser of children as work. We recognize that as work. Okay, so young mothers, you are included. And actually, young mothers, you are probably my target. My, my main burden might be toward, toward you tonight. <clears throat> um, but as, as I, I don't know how many who were here were with us last year. The time goes very quickly. It was just 53 weeks ago tonight. <laughs> that, that, that we were here. And uh, I, I don't remember the exact th- thing, but it was something like uh, 2 plus 2 plus 3 plus 1 plus 4. It was something like that. I give you numbers. I give you numbers as kind of the, the structure of that fellowship. Um, but my burden tonight is very similar to my burden then. And, and that, that is j- simply this. Um, how skillful are you? How skillful have you become in applying what you have learned from the word, from the meetings, from the ministry, to your situation in your daily life? That's really my burden. I think at that, in that fellowship a year ago, uh, I brought out these verses in Matthew chapter 7. That there are, that was one of the twos, you know. That there are two, two grounds to build on. And, and that, that comes from, that Matthew 7, I think most of you know, that's the conclusion at the end of Matthew 7 of three chapters of the Lord's spe- speaking. Three chapters of the Lord speaking. So he starts with you know, the spe- the, what we call the constitution of the kingdom. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? Blessed are the pure in heart and so on. And he speaks chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Then he concludes with this word in Matthew 7. I think it's around 20, verses 24 to 27. And he says, he says uh, he who hears my word and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And then what happens? The rivers come. The winds come. Right. There, there, are, there are trials. There are trials. 
Oh, and the rain. The rain is actually first. The rain comes, and the rivers come, and the winds blow. And that house stands firm. Stands firm. And then, he who hears my words and does not do them, which, which means apply them, he is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And then he says the exact same thing happens. That's daily life. The rains come, the rivers come, or overflow, and then the, the winds blow. And, and those three things, the, 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 the rain, the rivers, the winds, represent the trials of our daily living. It happens to everybody. You can't stop the rain from coming, or the snow. I know many of you passed the test. The snow came, but you got to the meeting anyway. So at least today, you are an overcomer. Mark it down. At least one day, I was an overcomer. The rain comes from God. Which means what? God allows things in our lives. Do you, have you ever gotten stumbled by what God has allowed? God allowed it. You, and you were, you, you know, sometimes we are just clear. We're just super clear. This is not, you know, sometimes we say, oh, the enemy, you know, and we got to bind the enemy. But sometimes we are very clear. Lord, this is you. Have you had that kind of experience? Lord, you know. Okay, Lord. I, 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 I see what you're doing. I, I don't like it. But I know it's you. But I still don't like it. Actually, because I know it's you, I don't like it more. And then rivers. What are the rivers that, that symbolizes the things that come to us? This direction. From man. You know, you know what that could be? You're driving, and somebody cuts you off. You're driving to the meeting. Hey, man. Oh. Lord, transform us to the image. And hey! Mm-mm. And we know that they can't hear us. But we still like to. What's wrong with you? It just makes us feel good. And we know that honking the horn does not hurt them, but I just want to release some something. What's that? That's the rivers. And then the winds blow. And that's the things that come from the enemy. And the enemy attacks. We shouldn't be surprised because the Lord warned us in Matthew 16, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. He didn't say, I will build my church and I bind the gates of Hades. He didn't promise us that. I will build my church and don't worry, the gates of Hades will never bother you again. That's not the verse. But why are we surprised that when the Lord revealed the church for the first time, 
in, in the record of the Bible, the first time the word church is mentioned is in the same sentence as the revelation of the gates of Hades. That phrase is nowhere else. The two things are there. But we're still surprised, disappointed even, stumbled, hardened, and want to give up. But from the first time he talks about building my church, he, the gates of Hades are there. Of course, there's a promise. There's a promise that they will never prevail. But it's also a warning that they will always still try. So things happen to us. So I come back to my point. And saints, really tonight, this is simply my point. With all the things that we mentioned and the numbers and this and that and these six words. It's just this. How skillful have you become in applying what you learned? Even from the children's meeting. Even from, from the high school conferences, from the retreats at junior high, from the college training, from Anaheim, you go there for the training, the video, from reading, from your own study and your own learning. All of us know a lot. Of course, that's not to say we don't need more. We all, we all should, you know, we always are stretching forward. We should be stretching forward people, always wanting something new of the Lord. But, but can we apply the old things. Can we, if we stop today, actually we'd have quite enough. And, and I mean of receiving. And just, just the rest of our lives apply what we already received. But how skillful have you become? Because it, from, my, from my experience, it does take a kind of practice. It does take practice. Tomorrow morning, I'm expecting that we would talk to the young people something using a, a, an illustration or a character in the Old Testament. That's King David. You know. and, and the Bible tells us, and you know, maybe the most fam- famous story about David is Goliath. He killed Goliath. <clears throat> but I hope, to, I hope that I, I could get this across to them and when I like to present this, that, you know, David, he, he, uh, uh, when, when, when he went to, to, to give the food supply to his brothers and he came onto the scene, his brothers saying, what are you doing here? Always getting yourself into trouble. I'm paraphrasing again. But they were not happy to see him. And then as they're talking, Goliath comes. And I guess that was the daily routine. He would come and challenge. Okay, let's not fight. Let's not have war. Let's go mano a mano. Let's go. Just one. Come on. Just come. Let's one. And whoever wins, the other will, will surrender to. Of course, nobody from Israel won it. Then David is this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who would defy the armies of Jehovah like this? And, and he talked big. And so he goes to Saul and Saul... And Saul says, uh, um, no, I mean, they, they, he tells them, bring him, bring him to me. And then Saul says, what, what are you? And, and he gives his resume there about the bear and the lion. And so he learned something in his daily life. You know, that, 
we think, oh, wow, David fought a bear and a lion. And we think it's a great thing. No, that's part of the job description of a shepherd. It, it, that's, part of the, that's part of your job. That's part of your daily life. And we know he was good with a sling. But do you think when he killed Goliath, that was the first time he used a sling? Surely not. Surely not. You know, then uh, Saul gives him his armor. And you can imagine this 15 or 16-year-old kid there in the armor of a, of a grown man. And I'm paraphrasing again. He says, uh, I don't think I can use this armor because I have not tried it. Meaning, you know, tested it and whatever. So he takes it off, and what does he do? He goes to the brook and gets five smooth stones. He knew even what kind of stone to get. If you send me to the brook, uh, I just pick up five rocks. They won't be the right ones. But my point is this, practice. He was skilled. He was skilled. Even in this, he was skilled. Anyway, we'll say a little more tomorrow. I heard you're all welcome, right? They're all welcome to come. Yeah, if you want the end of the story. Um, of course, you could read your Bible and get the end of the story. Yeah. <clears throat> but you may not see what I'm going to share. On, anyway, sorry. Anyway. My point is, the Bible illustrates that in our Christian life and in defeating the enemy, we need practice and to develop skill. We need learning. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you again, how skillful have you become in applying the things that you have learned so that you navigate through the waters, the winds, and the rain in your daily life to be the Lord's testimony there. And, and I realize that many of us, the, the, the tests come, and you cannot avoid the tests. You cannot avoid the tests. <clears throat> this last year, particularly the first half of the year after being with you, back in February of last year, there were a number of tests came to my life, to my family, particularly to my children. Um, but that's common. It's common. Many, many saints are passing through. Not just saints, people. Human life. And even worse things than we. But when it comes to you, it weighs on you. It weighs on you. It occupies your thinking it occupies and you spend some of your emotion. Right? And since we are limited beings, we are limited, not only in time, but we're limited in our inward capacity. You only have that much thought life. You only have that much energy, even in your soul. You only have that much emotion. And once it's spent, you don't have enough to spend on other things. So if the daily life things are using up all our 
thoughts and emotion and willpower, we don't have anything left. So we have to learn how to navigate through all, all, all the things. And I feel that actually these six points, if we would learn to apply these six points, oh, what a blessing we would experience, our family would experience, and the church where we are would experience. You know, if you've gone through the training, you don't need much explanation. This is, this is the experience of Christ in numbers. And what are these talking about? This is a kind of a, this is a, kind of a set. And then this is another set. The meaning of life, the testimony, and the center. You know, the, the children of Israel, maybe I'll, I'll bring these back later. The children of Israel, when in, uh, they came out of, out of Egypt, they were led to Sinai, Mount Sinai. And in Exodus, the Lord's, half of that is the Lord speaking to them, opening his heart to them. We consider it, that's the law. But actually, it's God talking to his people, letting them know in, like what kind of God he is, because they didn't know him. They didn't know this Jehovah firsthand. So he had to tell them what, what he's like, and what he likes, and what he doesn't like. And there are principles, and, and he was just opening his heart. Then, then he opens his house, which then you get to the real crux of the matter. What he really wanted was to have a house and live among his people. And, and who could have imagined who could imagine that this God actually wants them to build a little tent and he wanted to come and live there and he wanted them all to be around. He just wanted, like a father that wants his children to be like, like, like around. My, you know, my children all live in California. I live in New York City. I like being there. You know, my kids, they live in two miles from, two and a half miles from each other in Irvine, California. They all live in Irvine. I used to go to school there. And they all live there. And I like being there. And, 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 but, but now, you know, the two of them used to live across the street from each other. Yeah. And then one moved to get a little bigger, bigger house with family, you know, having kids and so on. So, so now I have to rent a car because it's only two and a half miles, but I got to bounce around between the, you know what I mean? to visit them. It would be much better if they all lived on the same block. And then you just, you know, here and there, and hey, come on over, and it's just easier. Yeah, that's the tabernacle with all the tribes around. That's just the father being in the family. So, so you have the, you have the, the, the tabernacle, Tabernacle, and this is certainly will not be to scale, but he wanted to have the tabernacle. And then you had three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here, and three tribes here. And they're all around. And actually, they are kind of like a square around. And of course, the priests, they were. Here, here, not, not, uh, the Levites, and here, and then Moses and Aaron were here. 
And we saw in the, in the training that when, when you see this picture in Numbers 1, this actually alludes to the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem. With, with the throne in the middle and then 12 gates. And, and what's on the gates? On the gates is the names of the 12 tribes. I mean, then, oh, what a picture. I tell you, before, the, before we had the last study of Numbers, I, I didn't see that. But there it is. Okay. And that's all like, you know, I remember when I, when first time when I, you know, got, I was like a, it was one of those wow moments. You know, when you read or you hear some sharing and you go, wow. And sometimes we even, to the person next to us, did you see that? Did you see that? He's like, I know. Amen. But after the meeting, what good is it? After the meeting, unless you're going back to your hospitality and the saints say, so how was the meeting? Oh, let me tell you. Okay, and you share. But still, after that, wow, what good is it? If it doesn't mean something in your daily living. It has, to, it has to impact us. This has to become our life. Well, with the children of Israel, that tabernacle was their life. Because wherever this went, they went. So, you know, the, the, when, when they escaped Egypt, or when they were escaping Egypt, and then they come to the Red Sea. And, and they're, they're like, uh, what, what now? And then the armies of Egypt started, were coming after them. And then Jehovah in the cloud went and became a separation. And, be, and then became a wall of fire at nighttime. And he was their protection. Right? And then, of course, M- Moses, you know, the staff... And sea opened. They went through. Then they get to the other side, and and eventually, eventually, this that 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 fire, that pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, led them. That's where we get this thing of leader, led them. But once they built the tabernacle, that cloud came and rested over the holy of holies. I don't want to go back to the Old Testament, but I do think it would be real neat to time travel and go see that once. <laughs> you know what I mean? Actually, I would like to see it when the, like, at what time? Was it at 5.30? 6 p.m.? 7.15? What time did the cloud become a fire? i just like to see it once. I just think it would be a cool thing. And then, every now and then, what? Actually, not every now and then, pretty often. It lifted up. And it started to move. Jehovah was moving. And then they, someone was assigned to blow a trumpet. And so they blew a trumpet. Oh, that, that could have been in the middle of the night. 
It could have been in the afternoon. You could have, you could have just set the table to have dinner. Then, then like, oh no. We've got to move. And the, the, the Levites had to come in and un, you know, pack up the tabernacle. And then everyone in their tents, two million people in their tents, every household was affected. And by the way, when they, when they encamped around, encamped around, this is the point, of, this is this point here. When they encamped around, you know, I, I just give a little number here, but this is, you know, 42,000 people you know, in families. And, every, and they had their tents. And every tent, it says in Numbers 2-2, two, two, I think it is. Numbers 2-2. Two, two. Every tent faced the tent of meeting. Every, everyone's tent, wherever you were. Maybe you were in the last row of this tribe. Your tent. You, you were here. This block here. But every tent faced the tent of meeting. So here's something to apply. How about your tent? But your household. Does your household face the tent of meeting? You know, uh, I think this was brought out in the, in the training uh, in message number two. That when we have qu- the questions and answers, which, which I, I, I already told the brothers, I'd like to follow Brother Ron, Ron Kangas' example. When he has such times, he, he says, it's not Q and A, it's Q and R. Because we, it's not that we guarantee answers, but we have some responses. Yeah. Okay. But the brother brought out in message two that many people ask, how do you balance the church life, work life, family life? Yeah. This is a very common question. And I come back to the young mothers. That comes a lot from, from young moms. How do you balance? Actually, what they want is their husbands to balance more properly so that they can be at home more. How do you balance? How do you balance? And the brother said this. Actually, no balance. It's not a question of balance. It's a question of what is your center? What is your center? Is the, is the tent of meeting your center? Now that does not mean, sisters, that does not mean that we rob you of your husbands because the church life is your center. It doesn't, doesn't mean that. It, it just means, is Christ in the church your goal? The goal for your household, the goal for your children. Or are there other hidden, is there another agenda? Because when Christ is your center, then he's your leader. And there are times, there are times, when the Lord will lead a young father to stay home. Just be home. 
and take care of your family that night. Because we have a living leader in the anointing. And so he, that, that, in that anointing, right, you, you know the anointing oil, the anointing oil, which was, which was saturating this tabernacle and those priests, right? Saturating the tabernacle and the priests. That holy anointing oil in Exodus, chapter, right? In Exodus 30, when, when we talk about the compound, the ingredients, it typifies divinity and humanity. So, the Lord will anoint you at times to be very human. He will anoint you to spend a little longer with your daughter. He will anoint you to get on the floor and play with your little boy. The anointing leads that way. Just as the anointing leads you to speak in a meeting, the anointing will also lead you to take your wife out to dinner. He does things like that. To spend time with your children, to read the book for the fourth time. Now, you know, I have three grandchildren now. And you read it, and as soon as you read it, again? Again? It makes them happy. And then you're a little impatient, so you, you know, skip a page, or you, or you paraphrase. No, Papa. That's not what it says. And so you have to read it the way it says it there. And then when you finish, unless you had already said, this is the last time, okay? Then it's bedtime. If you didn't say that, you lost your chance. And as soon as it's over, again? And the anointing oftentimes repeats that. Again. Stay there. And do it again. And be happy. (laughs) And if you have the anointing that has the myrrh and the cinnamon and all that stuff that we learned, that's what it's for. And it's anointing. Resurrection. Do you know you can be in resurrection? You can be in resurrection. And... And, and read, I think Brother Ron has had this experience. He, Ron talks about Curious George. I think all the grandparents now know Curious George. We had forgotten about Curious George for some time. Now we're very familiar again with Curious George. But if he's really your leader, it's not just the leader to go preach the gospel. It's not just the leader to go propagate. It's also the leader to take care of your children. And to become the gates for them. You know the 
the, the tribes around the tabernacle remind us of the gates of the New Jerusalem. And when we talk about that, I think most of the time, most of the saints will think of the gospel. We're the gates for others. Yeah. Please don't forget your children and grandchildren. And we're the, we want to be the gates for them, too. Because it does say in Acts chapter 2, on the, the first day of the church, the day the church was formed officially, and, and Peter you know, is speaking, the, the Spirit was just poured out, and then Peter speaks this wonderful message, and it pricks the hearts of all those who had come from all, what, 14 different nations, and at the Feast of Pentecost, and then they're, they're touched, and they say, what should we do? Man, brothers, what should we do to be saved? And he says, you repent. Right? You repent. And then he says, for to you is the promise, and to your children, and to those who are far off. So first, it's to you. To you is the promise. But next is not those who are far off. They're, they're third. And you want to be the gates for them too. But who's next? Your children. Your children. So, saints, yes, we want to be the gates of the new Jerusalem and to bring regeneration to others. That's their way in, right? But we also want to be the gates to our own household. To our own household. And this, when, when the gospel came to the Jews, that's, that's, how, that's how it was. When the gospel went to the Gentiles, in, in, in with, of course, in the house of Cornelius, that was one thing. But through Paul and the brothers, when they went to Europe for the first time, it was in Philippi. And, and in Acts 16, um, the brothers went to that place of prayer, and they found Lydia. And you read there, the whole household was saved. Then they used Lydia's home because she gave them hospitality, right? And, and, and they used that as a base of operations, and they go out to preach the gospel. And actually, you know, you may not be that aware, but there were four of them. They give hospitality to four brothers. Not, not just Paul and Silas, but Luke and Timothy were also there. And so, and so, but Paul and Silas are the only ones arrested. And then there's the famous story where they're in the, at midnight, they're in the stocks. And you know that, right? And they, there's, they're, they're praising the Lord while singing. And then, and then the earthquake, and then, but, but, the, the jailer is afraid. Oh, he's going to get killed because he lost prisoners. And then Paul says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. I don't know how Paul got them all to stay. Yeah. But, and then he comes and says, what shall I do to be saved? And you know, in verse 33 of Acts 16 is the famous verse about you shall be saved and your household. So actually, in that chapter... Two households are saved. That's the beginning of the 
Lord's move in Europe. It's by household. Not by person. By household. So, the children. The children are included there. But who are the gates for the children? Don't think it's the children's meeting teachers when they preach the gospel to them at, you know, fifth or sixth grade. We need to be their gates. We should not be those who, without our realizing, are actually pushing them out of the gate. That they can't wait to get free from this influence. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. But that comes by applying all these. If the Lord's the center, if the Lord is the center, that doesn't mean we neglect the children. Because he's the leader and the way. And he'll give us the way to be with our family members. He'll give us the way. And in the humanity of Jesus is this element. Let the children come. And that same Jesus who says that in the Gospels is now within us. It's now within us. Not to, not to shoo away the children like the disciples. The disciples were like, he's got more important things. To, what? They were protecting him. And then, did, did, did you see that? In, I think it's uh, Mark. You know, this story is repeated in a few Gospels. In Mark, it says that when they said that, the Lord became indignant. You know, in, in, being indignant is stronger than angry. Can you imagine Jesus? Indignant. But not with the Pharisees now. He was indignant with the disciples. Why did, why did you do that? How could you have this attitude? And then it says, and he picked up a child. He picked up a child. And then it, it, just to make the, 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 the point, it says he fervently blessed the child. What does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> How, what's the difference between bless the child and fervently bless? I, I don't know. Mike, Mike, come here. Can I illustrate? Can you help me? Come here. Come here. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can only have, uh, exercise sanctified imagination. But maybe this is, bless the child. Oh, he blessed the child. And maybe this is, bless fervently the child. I, I don't know. But doesn't it fit? I think the Lord just... (laughs) Thank you, Mike. Thank you. But that's what it says in Mark. I think it's Mark 10. But that Jesus is now the Spirit within us. And and when he is the center, to be the center of our household, facing the tabernacle, he will also lead us and become our way for the teenagers, 
for the children so that they can also follow and take the Lord. Then they will take the Lord following us as the meaning of their life. We do that for our household, but you can't make the choice for them. Sooner or later, they each have to make their own choice. But in the meantime, by him being the meaning of my life and the testimony and the center of my household, as I follow his leading and take him as the way, on my way to the goal, I can become a gate for, for them. Let's talk about 20, 30, 50. Yeah. You know, um, well, one month. I forgot. Don't forget the children. One month. And then 20, and then 30, and then 50. These ages are mentioned. Um, 20 is what qualifies you, well, among the males, to serve in the army. So you are, you are qualified for the army if you're 20. And this, this, this shows that not just anyone can f- fight or be qualified for the army. You need a certain measure of growth in life. Then, among the priests, among the priests, if you're born in the priestly family, at 30, you begin to serve. And you finish that service at 50. So, at 50, your role changes. I would imagine that would be difficult after being used to serving for 20 years, actually 25, because you began an apprenticeship at 25. I really would sympathize with those 50-year-old priests who had to change their role and step aside and not continue doing the things they were doing. My point to bring this out is that this shows us in the church life We all have different roles. You know, in the army, there were no women. Not like today. Today, Israel. Israel, the women are in the army. We have some sisters among us in the church in in the churches in Israel who they were drafted. they're, They're part of the army. But not here. Here, the sisters had a different role. The women had a different role. And then those younger than 20, males, they also were not qualified to fight. If you were 18, you may have the, you may have the heart for the Lord, but sorry, you, you can't partake of that. But you know, <clears throat> the army would go out and fight. But what were they fighting for? They were fighting for this. They were fighting for the tabernacle of the testimony. They were fighting for the ark of the testimony. They were fighting, in in our terms in the New Testament, they are fighting for Christ in the church, for the testimony of the Lord wherever we are. And saints, for this, we have different roles. 
So some fight, but some stay and protect the testimony. And this, and I, and I also don't understand this, but those from a month old and upward, their role was to keep, keep the charge of the testimony, of the tabernacle. That's, that's Numbers 3, let's see. Numbers 3, 28, I think it is. Yes. According to the number of all the males, from a month old and upward, there were 8,600, keeping the charge, oh, of the sanctuary. Now, what exactly was their role? I, I don't know. doesn't explain. But they had a role. All the teenagers are, were in this in this role, keeping the charge of the testimony. While the older ones were outside fighting. And the women were also around. I, I have met quite a number of sisters through the years that were stumbled or frustrated when their roles changed. When they first were a young single sister in the church life, they were, had a certain amount of freedom and, and, and so on. Then started working or go to the training. And then some after the trainings were served for a little bit. Then uh, either led to work or got married. Some still served even after married, but now having children and had to step back. This happened with uh, my daughters. My two daughters, they served. Then one went to work. The other one had a child and felt at that time to withdraw from service. Her role changed. I was very concerned about that. But I was happy, I think. I think I could testify on her behalf that she maintained her joy. Yeah. Because her role changed, but certain parts of her service did not. Even though she's not serving, quote-unquote, full-time, still, she was shepherding a number of the sisters that she was shepherding before. But it's different now. Now she shepherds them by them coming and playing with their, her baby. And they want to come and play with the baby. Actually, the, that little girl is a, quite like a secret shepherding weapon. Like a, like a magnet for people. And I think I mentioned this last year. You know, if you, have a, if you have a newborn or an infant, whenever you go anywhere, people are nice to you. And people talk to you. People even act silly around you. And they're like, oh, oh. And if you, sisters, if you would in your diaper bag with the wipes and the diapers and, and, you know, whatever, also carry just a few tracks. Any, ch- any, any person that goes gaga or to, to your baby or, or, or compliments you on the baby or, oh, how old? Oh, is it a boy or a girl? Oh, anyone who says that, if you give them a track, 
they will not turn it away. So you have a window, you have a window in which, in which everyone you give a track to will receive it. That does not happen to us on the campus. That does not happen to us downtown when we're giving out the tracks. Some people take it and some people, some people take it and in front of you. But not when you have the baby. So your role changed. But you have a new sphere of contact. And your gospel possibilities are now actually endless. And you can do things that the full-time serving brothers cannot do. You can do things that when you were serving full-time you couldn't do. You have access to different people. So, sisters, I hope you would not be stumbled by the change in your role. And our roles change, and eventually all of our roles change. Even with the brothers. I talk about the 50. You know, brothers, we get to a certain age. There are certain things we should not be doing it that we've been doing for 30 years. And let the younger brothers... But I've also seen brothers be stumbled, just not navigate well that part of moving over, making room, passing on. It doesn't mean that we're going to put you out to pasture. <laughs> That's not the way it works. Those, those who were in the priesthood older became the mentors for the younger priests to make sure that they didn't make mistakes. Because if you make mistakes in the priesthood, that's a serious thing. And we've seen, we see examples in the scripture how God deals with some of those. To make mistakes at work is not as serious as to make a mistake in serving the Lord. And so we need the function of the older, experienced brothers. But when our role changes, sometimes you just need more grace. More grace. Revelation, uh, twice in, the, in Revelation 2 and 3. Revelation 2 and 3. The Lord gives this warning. Hold fast what you have. Hold fast what you have. So so the call in those churches, in the seven churches, yes, it's a call to overcome. But to overcome is not to do something special. Sometimes to overcome is just to hold fast what you have. And our, our decline is when we're not on guard. And we 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 lose the grip of what we have. And I come back to sisters, the young mothers. In your earlier church life, you gain much. Hold fast what you have. Don't, don't let the enemy take away what you have. And, and I feel that, again, that, that may sound good, but how to apply that 
How to apply that, I feel, has a lot to do with your personal times with the Lord. When you're with the Lord. And, and, I, and I know, I, I realize this, that especially when you have young children, newborns, of course, especially, your schedule has totally changed. It totally changes. So you don't, you're not able to have those 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes with the Lord in that block of time. But that's really temporary. And you can, you, can, you can train your children in certain ways. And some moms among us, they've trained their children. That when, when mommy's reading her book, then you can read your book. And when they're, ah, and, you know, the kids are in, and then they see, oh, shh, mommy's reading her book. And they, you just learn. During that time, all we do is either play or we can read our book with mommy, but quietly over there. And there are ways to do that. And the moms among us, the grandmas, can, can help with that. But in our times with the Lord, and this is a big point. I know last time I was here, I, I had great burden for, and this burden remains the quality of our personal times with the Lord. And so I would like to maybe, maybe we'll just spend t- not, not 10 minutes. Um, to present something about this, uh, I would ask Sister Elizabeth, could you help us again with the piano? If we could turn to 564. 564. I think most of us are familiar with this hymn. Maybe we'll sing verse 1. Verse 1 and the chorus. Yeah. 564. I have learned the wondrous secret of abiding in the Lord. I have tasted life's pure fountain. could take this to fuel your morning prayer. And as soon as you have feeling, any anointing, over any word, over any phrase, break out of the tradition of that feeling of, I need to finish the whole verse. 
and pray. Turn the feeling into prayer. But I will also say, if you feel like singing the whole thing, forget what I just said. And just sing the whole thing. And don't make what I'm saying your new tradition. Just find the Lord in what you're practicing. But a song like this, actually, you, 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 could, you could pray like this. You could sing. I have learned the wondrous secret, excuse my voice, of abiding in the Lord. I have tasted life's pure fountain. I am drinking of his word. I have found the strength and sweetness, Lord. I need strength and sweetness. Do you understand right there? Those words. Today. Maybe if I sing this tomorrow, the second line will touch me. Or nothing will touch me. But today, strength, sweetness. Oh, Lord. That's what I need. I need strength. Lord, I'm just so weary. I'm I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Lord, I'm tired of everything. Tired of everything. Everything is a burden. I have to serve this Lord's Day. It's a burden. Group meeting Friday. Burden. Somebody wants to talk to me. Burden. I'm supposed to read burden. The church is reading a book together. Burden. Lord, and no sweetness. Lord, Lord, I just confess, no sweetness. Lord, I really really want to find the strength and sweetness. Of abiding neath the blood. Lord, I'm under the blood. I thank you for your blood. I have lost... Oh, Lord, I want to lose myself in you. I am sinking into God. Oh, Lord, when was the last time I sank into you? I just just want to be lost. Lord, please, please grant me this, to be lost in you. To just sink deeply into you. I'm abiding in the Lord and confiding in his word. I am hiding in the bosom of his love. Oh, Lord, I just want to hide. I'm hiding. Lord, I am hiding. I'm hiding in the bosom of your love. Lord, thank you. Just by such prayer, you could be revived. Just by applying this to yourself, you could be refreshed. Then you... It could be you pray longer, you dwell a little bit longer. Recently, about two weeks ago, the Lord brought this hymn to me. I spent, I think, four verses? Yeah, four days on this hymn. One verse was hardly could I finish in, in, for one day. Of such prayer, then going to the Word, And then this stayed with me. I'm hiding, abiding, and confiding and residing. Amen. Then I made up my own song about hiding and abiding and residing and confiding. I'm not going to sing that to you. I just made it up this morning, actually, in my shower. Hiding and abiding, 
and residing and confiding. Amen. Amen. It's really good, but I'm not going to sing it to you. It's mine. It's only mine. But sisters, you could do this. You could do this. This, this, could, bring, this could bring your heart up so that you could at least go another day. Have a little hope. Have a little hope. But the main thing, and I leave you with this, then I hope we could have some overflow from you, is how do we apply all these things and everything that we've heard to our daily life so that we can be the reality of everything that we heard. And he, he, is, he is our leader in our way, how, how to do that. A leader in our way. So I hope in your experience, you could find him and follow him so that all these things can be applied. How about we, we just have a few prayers? Again, if two or three or four could lead us to pray, uh, please. Well, how about this way? Rather than to have some longer prayers, how about we have shorter prayers and just pray, let's exercise this way, just one sentence. How about just express one sentence and then another can a sentence and another we can pray a sentence and we have one corporate prayer that way. Then still 15 minutes to share, to overflow. Yeah, please feel free to share something. But let's pray together first. Amen. Lord, be our center. Amen. Lord, be our applied reality. Amen.